We are back with the 53 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you win your fantasy football leagues. Wide receivers, once again, this is a part two. We're diving into 20 through 40, so your mid-tier guys and where we have them ranked. Follow us on social medias. We're on Twitter, at the 53 Podcast, Instagram, at the 53 Podcast. Let us know what you think all throughout the fantasy season, helping you with your sits and starts and all the fun things in between. But we're going to get into it co-host jason here how we feeling today feeling real good bud it's something where our mid-tier guys for all our positions are where you're going to make your money on these leagues so this is where i get most excited knowing that this is where the homework pays off and this is where you get to show you know what you're talking about in your leagues and get guys that are going to help you sustain the entire season so uh, that's where i think about it how are you feeling man i feel pretty good i think this is where i succeed in fantasy drafts every year this is where I put my most time and effort in to my research and my strategy going into drafts is drafting these receivers. The the depth within receivers, I mean, the top 60 receivers are all valuable this year. And so picking the right ones that are going to, uh, you know, inc- increase from what their floor was or have a positive um, regression of what they did last year, whether it's in targets or in touchdowns, is where you're going to succeed. So let's Get right into it. Looking at these mid-tier guys, Jason, give me the first guy that you're looking to target. Let's talk Cortland Sutton out there in Denver. You know, it's exciting because you got a lot of things new with a lot of new positions, uh, a lot of new teams, quarterback moves, yada yada. Uh, I'm excited about him, especially for a couple reasons. One, he's got the easiest fantasy schedule in the league for the Broncos receivers. Um, obviously, they add Russ. They're going to let Russ ride. Um, they're going to be in shootouts this year against our division. You got. Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers, you're going to need to put up 30 points to be even in those games. Um, last year, we saw that he can be healthy, and now he's coming off a real healthy offseason for that knee, so I think that's no longer a concern. I mean, he's, he's the vertical threat guy, and that's something that Russ has really been good at, that he favors in his passing attack. So, uh, you know, Russ was sixth in deep ball pass rating last year. That's passes over 20 yards. So, I mean, that just seems like a match made in heaven. You know, so for me, I'm dialing Corton, Lynn, Sutton in as wide receiver too, if I go RB heavy. Definitely an easy, easy flex guy. And when it comes down to it, the conversation's been, you know, do you go Sutton or Judy? I'm sticking with Sutton, especially in that dollar range from a wide receiver too. Yeah, I like it. I think the conversation around running backs and wide receivers specifically go on what's their floor and what's their ceiling. And Sutton's a guy whose ceiling is seemingly endless because we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know the output of Russell Wilson, but I'm buying in on that because I think the floor is high and the ceiling can be even higher. So grabbing this guy in the mid-20s and he could easily pop into the top 20s for fantasy production throughout the season. So uh, go out there and get somebody in Denver. It's really just pick somebody on that offense and they're going to produce. You just want a yeah. little piece of that pie. Well, it's okay. Same conversation. Pick somebody on that offense and they'll produce. What about the Chiefs? I mean, a guy that we're both shocked is not getting as much hype. We're starting to see it climb up draft boards a little bit with his average cost per nomination win, I guess you'd call it. But Juju, I mean, Juju's a guy, big name we've talked about, been up and down. Sell me on him. Where, I mean, where are you at with him right now? Yeah, I think the reason why Juju was hot for a while in fantasy, like in July, and not so hot right now in August is that he hasn't really played in preseason games, even though we've seen Mahomes play. So he was sidelined yesterday uh, with some caution around his shoulder injury from last year. But let's face it, Mahomes looks great. I mean, he played two drives, both led to touchdown scores. 
Juju's going to fit in this offense so well. This offense has endless opportunity with 300 vacated targets, potential out the roof. I mean, the Chiefs, the, I, I love this stat, and I think this is why Chiefs win so many games, but the Chiefs averaged over seven plays per drive last year. That's the first yeah. amongst all teams in the NFL. And what that means to me is that they like long, sustained drives, and that fits Juju's skill set perfectly. As a slot receiver and a chain mover, he's going to fit in to this Mahomes kind of song and dance throughout. He's going to get open on those unscripted, unscheduled plays that Mahomes likes to do as well. And I'm buying in on that. I'm buying in on this. Probably Juju is the first slot receiver that Mahomes has had, at least of this category, of this tier of skill set. So I'm I'm buying all the way in on Juju. I have him ranked as my wide receiver 22, and I'd be happy to buy him at that cost. Now, another dude is Darnell Mooney, who's in a little different situation who is just kind of the wide receiver one there. Not too many assets around him in the passing game. He's playing for your Chicago Bears. Let's break it down, Jace. Yeah, I'm going to try not to sound like a homer, but there's a lot of things to like about this. He finished last year as a wide receiver 27. He had 140 targets, which I don't think anybody's really talking about. Um, 81 catches, over 1,000 yards, and four touchdowns. I mean, those are all solid numbers. What people are not really talking about either is, okay, so Robinson was wide receiver one. Yeah, but but also no. He was hurt. He missed half the season with an injury. Well, third of the season with an injury. And then admittedly, towards the last few weeks of that game, he kind of checked out. So Mooney was acting as the wide receiver one for most of the season anyway. And then you throw him into a system that really favors, you know, fast route runners, deep threats, and wide receiver ones. I mean, that's what the Green Bay offense is, and that's what we're implementing here in Chicago. Um, he happens to be all three of those things. So I, I don't think... I, this guy is going to be an easy wide receiver to whatever roster build you've got. And I feel pretty darn good about it, given the chemistry he's had with Fields. Again, not trying to sound like a homer, but this seems like a very good investment for your wide receiver, too, considering the media hype. You know, they're big on him, but the fact that everyone's saying that offense is trash is not... It's definitely helping keep his value lower for your, you know, your, your dollars per auction there. Yeah, I mean, as we're looking at dollars and comparing the last two guys... Juju has a lot of sticker value because of the name. Just the name is going to make yeah. you spend a couple more dollars. Mooney doesn't have that value to his name yet, and right. you're going to save money because of that and, and might get similar or even better production. So Mooney's going to be a guy who's you're going to get for a dollar or two cheaper and going to produce. I mean, I'm buying in on 140 targets. Who wouldn't? Right, and this is probably going to be the last year where you're going to be able to say that too. I think next year where he's going to get the hype and you're going to have to buy high. So... You know, one of the things that I get excited about, and we, we say this often, or at least I know I say it every episode, I think, impromptu, I'm going to say it again, is that you want to focus on guys that are on good offenses, and that, that Chiefs stat, you know, seven plays per drive, is exactly why you need to focus on certain guys, regardless of who's going to be the target hog. Because the name that comes to mind is going to be Adam Thielen, right? I'm going to give you a chance to be the homer about him. The guy is going to be on an elevated offense. I know JJ is going to be taking the targets, and Cook's going to be scoring the touchdowns. But he himself was a target uh, touchdown magnet the last two seasons. He had 24 touchdowns over the last two years. I mean, is there a reason to think that won't continue? Yeah, I mean, that's why I love Adam Thielen and why I'm buying him at my ranked 30 receiver is he he doesn't have to be the 100-catch guy anymore like he, he kind of was when Kirk first got there. What he is now is the touchdown guy, and he provides that value at 30 that receivers around him don't. 
he's probably the only guy that I, I could say, if healthy, could repeat double-digit touchdown scores. Everybody else in this category is looking at six to eight touchdowns. He has that touchdown upside and why I'm buying in on him. I think there's so much value here in that scoring. And look at the numbers last year. He finished wide receiver 28, only played 13 games. In those 13 games, he scored 10 times. I, I'm buying in on those numbers. I think he's very cheap. I think it's it's cool where we're at in fantasy football now with wide receivers that the wide receiver two on offenses are just as valuable as the wide receiver one. We're, we're seeing it in Cincinnati. We're seeing it here. So don't be scared to get the wide receiver two on teams that are going to pass a lot and, and heavily focus on their playmakers. Adam Thielen's one that I'm definitely buying on. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be... Well, in our league, given that we're a lot of Minnesota guys, I don't think you'll be able to get them for quite the steal because I think people are going to be watching. But, you know, all of those out-of-Minnesota market leagues, um, this is a guy where you're going to look like such a stud if you get him for your wide receiver two. Or even if, you, if he's your flex guy, you're sitting real pretty. Yeah, I mean, that that's where I'm seeing him, Jason. Like, have my two quote-unquote studs at wide receiver and then play Adam Thielen in my flex. And, and know that he's a little more touchdown dependent than than other players in this area. Uh, but he can pop off and give you a 20-point week, seemingly week in, week out, potentially. So I'm buying in on that. Another dude, talk about touchdown dependent. Michael Thomas yeah. hasn't caught a touchdown in the NFL since 2019, Jason. That's before the pandemic. It's been a while. So I think there is some risk associated with taking Michael Thomas, but he's healthy now. So what's your thoughts over there? Yeah, you know, the risk is if you're going to rely on him to be a wide receiver too. I think if you go, you know, three or flex, I think you're going to feel just fine, especially in a PPR. You know, a lot of change again. Um, you know, new scheme, new coach, no new quarterback. You're going from, you know, Breeze to Jameson, which, you know, Winston there is completely different in the mind that Breeze has had, you know, basically no arm the last few years. But you think about Michael Thomas's production in 2019, he saw 185 targets, which is nuts. He just shot one shy of 150 catches. So, no, we're not going to see that again. Uh, he scored nine touchdowns that year and had it over 1,700 yards. So we're not going to see that out of Michael Thomas. I think you're silly if you think you do. Um, but what we are going to see, I think we're going to see a little bit more quality looks in that, you know, because Breeze is so accurate and didn't have the arm strength, we saw a lot of under routes. We saw a lot of hitches, uh, you know, the, the stick routes, all those short five- to seven-yard routes. Jameis can zing it in there. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of those intermediate routes from Michael Thomas. Um, especially with someone like Olave to take the top off, I think his opportunities will be, yeah, like I said, not 185 targets, but they will be a lot better quality. So instead of seeing uh, 12 targets a game, you might see seven or eight, but his average yards per catch will probably increase by at least three or four points. So I, I feel really good, especially, like I said, at wide receiver three or flex. Yeah, I'm interested in the Saints offense this year. I mean, just compared to last year and compared to the – NFL in total, I mean, they trotted out Marcus Callaway as the wide receiver one last year. I like Callaway. He's just not a wide receiver one. And now this year they got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, kind of the take your top off, take your top off, take the top off receiver, kind of the Deshaun Jackson style. And then you got Jarvis Landry there as well, who's been a, a stud slot receiver for years. So I think the Saints are very underrated as far as their weapons on offense and Buying in on what would be their wide receiver one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll forgive the uh, Freudian slip there, considering it is New Orleans and, you know, wink, wink. Hey um, speaking of taking the top off of the defense as a deep threat, um, let's talk about Marquise Brown here, Hollywood Brown. I mean, we got all the hype now for him to Kyler again, being from those college highlights of Oklahoma. 
obviously a little bit of the question is there's more weapons down there that like to throw the ball a lot. Hopkins is suspended for six games. Talk me through the strategy of having him throughout the year. How are you selling him? How are you buying him? Where are you thinking you're going to have him as a fit on your roster? Yeah, let's just break it down. Like, listen and like, here, like, he's the wide receiver one until at least week six. On an offense that likes to throw the ball, let's compare him to Christian Kirk quick. Christian Kirk leaves, has signs a great deal with Jacksonville because they saw the potential in him and what he was able to do in this offense. He's gone. Hollywood is in. And Hollywood, let's face it, is is more explosive. He He's faster, kind of quick-titch guy. And the numbers last year proves that I think he can do it with a quarterback who's going to throw the ball more and, and look for his top targets more. Last year, he had 91 catches, went over 1,000 yards, and had six touchdowns. I think it seems smart to go with uh, Marquise Brown. I don't think there's much risk here. I think this is a really solid play. I have him ranked at my wide receiver 29. They paid a lot for him to have that connection with his former Oklahoma quarterback. I'm buying in on that chemistry. I'm buying in on this offense. Uh, we know that we've seen regression in the Cardinals um, later on in the seasons, and that might be a, a little scary. But the first half of the season, we've seen Kyler be dominant, where the Cardinals were ranked number one in the NFC for the first like 10 weeks of the season. So buying in here on Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, and would love to have him as my wide receiver three flex guy. Yeah, this is a guy that I think if you know your league and you're active in your league, you can really talk him down because uh, you can sell him. It's like, well, when Hopkins oh, yeah. comes back, he's the guy. He's going to soak up all the touchdowns. And so, you know, if you're trying to pre-draft strategize here, talk him down. You know, he always oh, not going to be – he won't be a top 30 receiver. No way. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the numbers show otherwise. I mean, he comes from an offense that, you know, is bottom five in the league throwing – to an offense that's now top five in the league. So you see a 30-40% increase in pass attempts held. Uh, it, this is a guy that I think you can be really sneaky with. Yeah, I mean, that's a good uh, segue there. As far as teams that don't pass much and teams that pass a lot is Allen Robinson. He goes from the Bears, who had an abysmal season last year through the air. We know that. But now he gets to join Matthew Stafford and the Super Bowl-winning Rams as the wide receiver two behind Cooper Cup. I would imagine you're pretty sauced up about this one yeah i mean this is a fantasy guy i think you could sneak in there too i mean low end wide receiver two is probably pushing it but think about it this way he finally gets an elite quarterback he gets an elite coaching staff and an elite offense we talked a bunch about how a good offense raises all ships there he's going to eat quarterback twos i'm sorry cornerback twos alive i mean he's already an elite pass catcher and route runner we talk about target share and such and you think about comparable offenses you have cincinnati zach taylor's offense who is a McVay disciple he was able to feed Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, who were all fantasy relevant last year. Now, similar type of style, uh, Cup's going to eat up the slot, and they can move those guys around interchangeably. But you think about Robert Woods was a wide receiver 17 as, as, as the, the number two in this offense. Last year, before he got hurt, Van Jefferson was wide receiver 35. Obviously, Cooper Cup was number one, no question. But both those guys are gone now. Woods uh, traded to Tennessee after an injury. Van Jefferson is in himself hurt. So... I'm really not shying away from this one. I think it only helps his production value because there's not really going to be that wide receiver three to be wide receiver 35. Again, it's really going to be a strong one in two. So this is going to be a, get a sneaky buy low here. And I think you're going to feel real, real solid because the floor is going to be so high. You think about it, Trubisky had him 2,000 yard seasons. He had 100 catches that one year. I don't see him slowing down, to be honest. Yeah, I like Allen Robinson. I mean, it, it just sucks because we haven't seen 
Allen Robinson as Allen Robinson in a couple of years. I mean, his years yeah. in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles were nice. He had a, a, a really solid year with Mitchell Trubisky. So we, we just haven't seen it. Last year, he looked like a shell of himself. He looked like he was kind of bought out of the whole situation. So happy he found a new home. And I think that's going to reinvigorate him to, to put up some really good numbers. Yeah, it's that's something there. So we're talking about him kind of in that wide receiver three range, feeling real comfortable. Another guy we, you and I were talking off off air, uh, Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. I mean, is this a guy that I'm going to feel real excited about? Obviously, you got Trey Lance is the new deal there. Debo is going to be a guy producing. They got Kittle still. Where's your head at on Brandon Ayuk, and where should we be thinking as we get ready for you know our <laughs> yeah. roster builds and strategizing? So, so we got kind of burnt last year about the Ayuk over Debo Samuel news. And I, I think everybody nationally was ranking Ayuk higher. We thought he was the wide receiver one and, and Debo would be kind of the gadget guy. And what we saw is that Debo exploded onto the scene. And I think Debo is still going to be that guy, of course, with our rankings. Uh, but we do see Ayuk, I think, taking more of a responsibility in this offense. The first half of the season, he was dealing with some maturity issues. Shanahan now kind of trusts him and able to bring him in. And he saw 90% of his snaps uh, at the end of the season where he's on the field. And we, we need to see that from a receiver that we're drafting. So I have him ranked my wide receiver 33 here. And let's face it, the numbers were not great. But last 10 weeks of the season, second half of the season, he posted top 25 wide receiver numbers. He looked like somebody that they wanted to target in the passing game. Now bringing on Trey Lance, more of a deep threat quarterback, going to be able to get Ayuk downfield. So I'm forecasting here, Jason, over 100 targets. His first 1,000-yard season, if you want to call that a hot take, I'll take it. So 1,000-yard season for Brandon Ayuk. We definitely saw a regression in year two compared to his rookie year, but I see a ton of progression here in year three. All right, so that's that's a really – I'm not going to call it a hot tech either because I think it's going to happen. You're going to have more deep ball opportunities, definitely a stronger arm in Lance than in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but you and I were talking off air over this past weekend about 16 games to 17 games. Is 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving, like, the the deal? Or is that something that kind of grows as there's one more game? Yeah. I mean, we have we have more opportunities because it's a more of an offense-heavy league. But you've also got, you know, you always got three receivers and you got two backs now that are all producing. So, yeah, it's a fun one because I think the NFL is perfected in so many ways. I mean, we know that marketing the NFL is the best out of any leagues. I think their schedule is the best out of any leagues. Their playoff format, they're continuing to refine, but is fantastic. And their stats, crazy right. that their stats make a lot of sense where. In the 16-game season, 1,000 yards was the metric for a good wide receiver season. 1,000 yards is a good metric for a good running back season. Look at quarterbacks is 4,000 for a good year, 5,000 for a fantastic year. And now with the added game, 1,000 seems a little low on receiving numbers. And let's just look at the numbers. I mean, 28 guys last year or 26 guys went over 1,000 yards. So maybe that metric doesn't stand up to what it should be and we should be looking at maybe 1100 or 1200 where if you look at 1200 eight guys in the nfl went over 1200 and that might be kind of the new metric for success or compared to the quarterbacks where there's the 4000 distinction and 5000 distinction a thousand yard seasons that that good and 1200 is that great and that's kind of fun or how we're adjusting to the new schedule so 
Yeah, I mean, so here's here's a perfect point, and this is one I, I made sure to bring up when we were talking again offline, is Chris Godwin. I mean, he only played 14 games last year because he blew out his knee, but he had 127 targets in 14 games. He had 98 catches, 1,100 yards, and five touchdowns. So he means he missed three games and still he would have easily broken, you know, 100 catches and 1,200 yards there. Yeah. So that's on one of the most prolific offenses, greatest quarterback of all time, but you had, last year you had Mike Evans. You had, obviously, Godwin. You had Antonio Brown for a time there. You have three tight ends. You got Gronk, Brait, O.J. Howard before he got hurt. I mean, and then you have Leonard Fournette who's taken up passes who now all of a sudden is a receiving back. So that all that to say, I mean, there's opportunity there, and I think that we're spot on in that analysis of 1,200 might be the new benchmark. I know if it's one game, but you think about how these offenses are all geared, that's a pretty easy one. So this is a guy, as I now start to plug Chris Godwin, this is a guy that I think he can be sneaky – I mean, I just gave you numbers that were great numbers, and I'd feel good if I had a, like a stacked running back core. Maybe stretching this guy to a wide receiver or two, but if this guy's my three and I think he's going to slink down boards and you're going to get him for cheap, I mean, hell yeah, plug this guy in. Uh, not to mention Tampa receivers have their second easiest wide receiver schedule. Uh, I, I'm super hype on this, especially because they're downgraded at tight end this year too. So there's there, there's a complete reshuffle with where the target share is going to go this year, and I think that being the slot guy, Godwin's got to be like number two in this offense again, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's so underrated when it comes to his actual football production, but his fantasy production as well. I, I don't know why this name doesn't carry more weight. It just seems like a a name that people pass by and don't engage with. And I, I think they're missing out. I think there's so much value to be made in Chris Godwin, ranked in the you know mid-20s, probably early 30s in your draft boards. And... The, the reason being is, is health. If this dude is healthy, you want him on your team straight up. Like he's a, probably a top 10, top 15 pick. The health question marks, the only reason that's slowing him down. So I'm buying Chris Godwin for those reasons. I'm assuming that he's going to be healthy on my team. And I, I want to buy in with him there and have so much value as my third receiver. Oh, hell yeah. And that's something too, where we talk about health in the league and such is, you know, ACLs are not what they used to. I should know. I've done it twice myself. But, uh, you know, Cortland Sutton came back, had a great year. I can see nothing less for Godwin here. His name is kind of, I don't want to say faded because it's not. It's just like he's not the next sexy thing. And I think that's going to be the mint fucking transition right there for Gabe Davis as we talk about recency bias and all that. Yeah. Is this a guy you're, you're going after right now? I mean, he, he again, sweet playoff game, bunch of touchdowns in that one last game there. He's the new guy, a lot of vacated targets, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, you you uh, buying or selling this hype right now? You know, I, I just can't make up my mind. I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence, but I, I think I'm leaning away from Gabriel Davis. But what we saw yesterday is Gabriel Davis scores a touchdown on Josh Allen's first drive in the preseason game. I'm like, oh, man, am I going to be fading this guy on a podcast after he scores? But let's look at it, man. He had just 35 catches last year. He was not a prominent receiver in this offense. They're telling me that they're going to focus on him more. I think there's a lot of targets that go to Stefan Diggs. Jamison Crowder comes in from the Jets, who has been a, a dominant flex wide receiver for that team and is super underrated and no name recognition because he plays for the Jets. But I think right. he slots in very nicely here with Josh Allen. So I, I kind of am scared of this one. I know the, the monster playoff game, four touchdowns, 200 yards, all that fun stuff, but... I don't know, man. I think he's rosterable. I think he's valuable. I just don't see it inside the top 30. 
I wouldn't be comfortable with my team having Gabriel Davis as a starter on week one, but I'd be happy to have him on my roster uh, to sit for a couple weeks and see what that Bills offense looks like, see where he fits in, and then have him to play a little bit later in the season. Yeah, I mean, the hype is real, but so are the numbers. I mean, so last year, he's had two years in a row, uh, 62 and 63 targets, 35 catches, under 600 yards, um, seven touchdowns two years ago, six touchdowns last year. But you take away that one game, you take away four touchdowns and 200 yards, he has he has 350 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the season if you take away that one game. And I understand each season's different and the focus is different, but... I mean, is that really a guy that you're hyped up to have your wide receiver three or flex guy who had 350 yards and two touchdowns last year? I mean, somebody's going to want to hype him up. Somebody's going to want him. There's going to be a homer about it, and I get that. That's fine. What I would caution, you know, throw under the wind here, in an auction league, I've gotten caught with this a couple years ago. You want, you know a guy's got a guy, and you want to bid him up a couple bucks? This seems like the trap guy for that where, all right, I know Luke wants him. I want him for four bucks. Well, let's see if I can get him up to nine. 10, 11, just because. And then all of a sudden, oh, the water runs dry. Like, oh, I don't, it's too much. And and all of a sudden you're caught paying five bucks more on a guy you didn't want anyway. This feels like the perfect trap guy for that this season. So yeah, uh, I know it's fun to play those money games. And it, that's really, it's a great draft strategy because you get guys off their game. I love that. But uh, this is one guy I'm really putting up a red flag saying, whoa, maybe yeah. not the guy to mess with. Yeah, I'd be cautious. And, and I, uh... The, the crazy thing about Gabriel Davis, it, it has nothing to do with his ability. I think he's an amazing wide oh. receiver. I just don't think the opportunities are there. I don't think his target share is going to go from 60 targets last year to 120 targets, where if you're looking at a Chris Godwin, at you know if they're ranked similarly, Godwin, if healthy, is going to get 120 targets. Is Gabriel Davis? I don't know. But is Gabriel Davis a stud wide receiver? Yeah. All I'm saying is I don't think – there's value there because he's not going to be targeted as much as the guys around him. So I, I think I just convinced myself I'm, I'm going to stay away from Gabriel this year. Yeah, I dig that. I mean, so we just got through the top 40 guys, well, 20 of our top 40. And thinking of it, our, our league structures are most predominantly 10-man leagues. So think about what wide receiver 40 is. That is the last fourth receiver getting picked in theory. So – like you said, rosterable. Do I feel comfortable starting in week one? No. Maybe it's a guy, something's happened. Maybe Diggs mixes a couple games, sure. But uh, as we get through our top 40, let's let's jump into some of those sleepers there. Some guys that are for a dollar, some guys that are our last receiver. If you want to get a fifth receiver, this is a guy you feel real good about. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take my own flowers, do a shameless plug here on Robbie Anderson. Yeah, let's um, Called it two years ago, got lots of shit for it. Uh, last year I said no, and it ended up being right again. So this year I'm back on the Robbie Anderson train. <laughs> Two seasons ago, he was top 20, and I got trashed. One thing I would say, so Sam, Sam Darnold's probably not going to start this year. It's probably going to be Baker. Last year in that trash offense, he still got 110 targets last year. I like People that. don't talk about that. Uh, granted, he only caught 53 balls at 519 yards and five touchdowns, which is nothing to get excited about. But the 110 targets, and now he's going to be receiving from Baker, who is an upgrade, in my opinion, from Darnold. Uh, also saw twice as many touchdowns thrown. Different team, different scheme, different weapons. Got it. But Darnold threw nine touchdowns, I think, last year and 17 picks or something like that. Baker threw 17 touchdowns. So that's already double. Um, and I think this is a guy, as my wide receiver, four or five, why would you not go get him for a dollar? Yeah. I'm all in on it. I think it's a safe sleeper pick. It's somebody that you can 
plug in week in week out he's he's a 70 yard touchdown potential type of guy too so if mm-hmm. if you need somebody to to play in and be consistent he can be the guy i i like him too the, as you're saying with gabriel davis if stefan Diggs goes down gabriel davis steps in it's like handcuffing wide receivers in a way if dj moore goes yeah. down what does that do to robbie anderson like that could really kind of skyrocket his production so I, I like it as a sleeper for sure. I think it's a safe sleeper. It's not um, there, there's not many inconsistencies around it. And this next one that I have, I think there's a lot of inconsistencies. And that's Kadarius yep. Tony for the New York Giants. He was a rookie last year. He exploded onto the scene with a 10 catch, 189 yard game. And what we saw was a playmaking ability that. We haven't quite really seen. I think there is that comparison to maybe a Percy Harvin. I, I think he looks like a little bit of a Stefan Diggs, the way he shifts, the way he moves. I think all the ability is there. What is scaring me is kind of some off-the-field issues with the Giants. They, they're they not really getting along. There's some maturity to be had here. Can he step into the wide receiver one role and, and play within it? They drafted Wendell Robinson in the second round of the draft this year, and that kind of pissed him off a little bit so i'm gonna say as my sleeper that's motivating him to want to come out and prove it and want to come out and say i'm that dude instead of shying away and say these guys don't like me so i'm buying in on that that he has a chip on his shoulder now coming into this season and say hey look at me man i'm i'm onto the scene this is me second year guy Kadarius tony grab him for a dollar i'd be happy to have him on my team yeah that's a guy like you mentioned before is i can definitely go 70 yards in a you know cloud of dust there on any given play, and especially all the sexiness brought by Brian Dable and making the, the Bills receivers who were once a joke now now very relevant. I think there's going to be tons of opportunity there. So that's another one where we're talking about opportunity, and one that's a question mark, maybe by the media, maybe deservedly, maybe not. Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh. you got Trubisky as the, as the quarterback. You've got Deontay Johnson, Pickens, Harris, you know guys that are going to take up targets. Why are you in on Chase Claypool this year? I've got a couple reasons, but I definitely know this could be a guy you're looking at too. I don't know if I'm necessarily in. Uh, he He's my sleeper be, because of these reasons. I mean, a, a person who's ranked outside of the top 40 who had 800 yards last year uh, sounds like something I could buy into. I think Mitch hopping in definitely helps the progression this year. In his rookie year, we saw, what, 11 total touchdowns. His second year, only two touchdowns, so that's why people are fading away from him. But I see those touchdown numbers going up, maybe six, maybe eight. If that's matched with another 800-yard season, we're, we're talking about a top 40 finish. And for a dollar, you, you could be happy with that. So we don't know what this offense looks like. I think Deontay is going to be the, the featured number one receiver. George Pickens is getting a lot of love right now, so that's just dropping Claypool rank over rank, yeah. week over week. And I'd be happy to take that risk. I think that it is a risk because he could just be forgotten about and George Pickens is the next Odell Beckham. Could happen. But why not take him for a dollar if you got that extra spot on your roster and see what happens. Maybe they do focus in, in on him a little bit more. They even ran with him a, a, a little bit in his first season in the NFL. So we could see that coming back too to take some pressure off Najee and some misdirections and things. So... I'd be happy with Chase Claypool. I got him ranked as my 45th wide receiver. So before we finish it up, Jace, that was three sleepers, 10 guys within the 20 to 40 range of wide receiver. 
We're about to get to draft time and we are an auction draft. We are a full PPR draft. And as we get into our auctions, there's some fun things around flexibility when you get into it. And you were kind of talking about how Gabriel Davis could be a guy who has some name tax to him and you might have him listed as $2 and he gets climbing up into seven, eight, nine dollars How do you combat that when you're playing in fantasy and a guy that you have pegged for a certain dollar amount is now creeping above that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fine line between go get your guys because I'm a big proponent of that, but also have a backup plan for when your guys don't come out. And so I was talking to a buddy, my first draft's not going to be until Tuesday, I believe yours as well, is as well, excuse me. They saw Juju Smith-Schuster slotted for like $7. All of a sudden, climb, bid, 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 bid. He goes for $22. Now, that yeah. is a huge swing. You're talking $10, $15 there. That, that's about as much as I budget for an entire flex account for my budget. Not on one guy for like all guys, because I think I'm, pre- I'm pretty spot on. So once you get comfortable, I mean, it also depends on where you're at in the market, where you're at with your roster build at the time that he's nominated and then really what your goals for the rest of the draft, considering where your roster stands. Now, this one I know happened early. And so it was that weird feeling out time of, well, a lot of guys have money. And a lot of guys don't have roster spots filled yet. So is this setting the market and it's going to totally screw up the entire strategy? Or is this guy a homer? That's where it comes in knowing your guys. Uh, but to see a $15 swing... You don't typically see that till the end of drafts where guys have, oh, I got money to spend. Let's go get a guy that I want. That one, that is one where, hey, if you got him, good on you. You did what it took to get him. Yeah. But for me, I would I would fall off. I mean, I'm excited about him, as are you, I know. Um, I would fall off a couple of dollars ago and start thinking about who's left. If it's a you know, similarly ranked a Darnell Mooney or a Godwin, I can get equal production, a little bit more of a sure thing for less money. So it all, again, it all depends, but we already see some guys that we're talking about and calling out on this podcast start to get a little bit higher up on draft boards. Yeah. It's hard to be like hard headed in getting your guys because sometimes it's just irrational where that 15 point swing or $15 swing, you could just grab the next guy on the board for $2 and be happy. So like you don't have to be hard headed going into that, even though Juju's the prime example, it's going to happen where Juju is more valuable in an auction draft because in a snake draft, you see them all listed in front of you and you just kind of like take the next wide receiver. It's the easy way out. But but he's a reach-around guy like you were talking about. He, he's the reach-around guy. I mean, you have to actively find him, draft him, and not just take the next guy on the board. But in auctions, it's like, all right, pony up. Let's go. Like, what are you going to pay for him? I think he's worth this much money. What do you think? And it leads to a lot of the fun in it. Cause do you want to throw a guy like Juju out early? So you have the money to play with it? Or do you want to sit for late and hold money? And hopefully that you have more money than the next guy who likes him is kind of the whole part of the nomination strategy too. You know, going back to our second or third episode saying, don't throw out guys that you like because people are going to spend the money on them. So make them spend money on guys you don't like first. But as you're looking at those guys who do have some name tax, Gabriel Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, just be wary of what the max dollar amounts are on the boards and what the needs of the other managers are so that you don't get caught with your pants down and Juju goes for $22. I think it's very possible to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of guys go into drafts, especially an auction draft, thinking, well, I can get this guy in a steal. I know how my league's going to go, and I can get this guy for 10 bucks less. And then they plan for that. And that's not going to – like, rarely do you ever get a guy 
for a steal that's more than like three to five dollars of what you thought. For and again, I'm talking about guys that are going to the thirty thirty dollar range, forty dollar range. I mean, fifteen dollars either which way is ridiculous in my opinion. But you're not you can't count you can't plan on getting a guy on a steal. You just you just can't. I I that's where I get my guys. I'm reasonably priced with them. I'll give myself a five dollar buffer on the bigger guys, eight dollar buffer depending on what it is, and then I have a little bit of a slush fund. But the go get your guys is not every guy. It's not a roster of five guys that are your guys. If you're going to spend extra money, it's one, maybe two, depending on how you do. And again, not planning or expecting, expecting, I think is a better word, expecting to get a deal on one or two guys to make up for a difference of being boneheaded. Yeah, I agree with you. And as we're looking at the fantasy football season, I mean, it's gearing up. We're about to finish week two of the preseason here. Drafts are happening. We have our first drafts on Tuesday our lead draft that we go through together that is that auction draft we've been talking about will happen right before the start of the season and we're going to be here covering it all man helping you guys out win your fantasy football league so stick around follow at the 53 podcast on twitter to get some up-to-date and recent news on who you should be drafting who you should be targeting we'll be helping you with your sits and starts and questions to build your teams around as we get into the season as well. So happy to be here. Happy to break down the rest of the wide receivers. Of course, we've got running backs still to come. We're going to talk about our must-haves or our guys, Jason. we got to talk about our guys before we get into our draft, too. I'm excited for that one. So uh, come back to the 53. Make sure to like and subscribe where you can. And appreciate the listening. <laughs>